Get to know Joe. That's what Taylor and I did. We sat down. First 10 minutes or so of the podcast here, we're just, you know, going back and forth, talking about stuff with school with her and getting caught up. Had her on the podcast a few weeks ago. Don't remember if she mentioned on the podcast that she would be interested in interviewing me or if she sent me a text and brought that up. But I said, yeah, let's go for it. So she came armed with a ton of questions and we dove in for about 45 minutes or so on all sorts of stuff. Places I'd like to go, uh, marathon running. A um, little bit about broadcasting, movies, touched on a lot of different things. Check it out right here, Out of the Hat. All right, Taylor, this was all... Your idea, you said a couple weeks ago, as I was going back and forth with you, you said, I don't know if you even said this on the podcast when I was talking to you, but I remember either on the podcast or a text, you said like, hey, how would you feel about doing an episode where somebody else interviewed you? And I said, yeah, I'm game. So the ball is in your court. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, I thought it would be a cool idea for everyone listening. I mean, obviously, when you do your monologues, you give them a side of you. But I also thought it would be cool to interview you and just give your listeners, you know, more about you, you know. So some of them are just, you know, lighthearted and stuff, but just things to like get to know you. Um, do we have so- like a whole Q&A thing? Like, what do we uh, you got? Like, how many questions do you have in front of you? I just jumbled a bunch of them down. I don't plan on asking all of them, kind of just seeing where the conversation leads. But, you know, it's nice to come prepared. Okay. Um, All right. Do you do you interview a lot of people? I mean, I kind of have to with Cronkite News. I have to turn at least one package a week and three people, three interviews for each package. So at least... A week I'm interviewing three people a week and I'm also doing a documentary so I'm interviewing for the people for the documentary oh my so. goodness well before we get to your your eight million <laughs> questions give me like 30 seconds on your documentary what's it about um so it's kind of we haven't really started yet we just submitted our ideas got them approved and got our group so it's me and two other girls at Cronkite okay and we're doing it on sex trafficking because we he said like you know you want it to be an issue kind of type topic it's a very lighthearted topic okay <laughs> and um so we're going around that route we're kind of still picking an angle obviously um we're not we can't really go the child like sex trafficking way because it would be just kind of really hard because you don't want to put, you know, children on camera with such like a intense topic. So sure. we're going to go kind of like the more route of like girls my age, you know, like 20, 21 year old girls around there because it happens. And kind of I remember there were issues with ASU and we we're going to talk to people from ASU from Phoenix. Like we we're going to see if there are any bills being passed because it is kind of a pressing issue here, especially since we are so close to the border. Mm-hmm. Um so we just thought it would be a good idea to get up and rolling with. <laughs> well, good luck with all that. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm sure it will be. I have no <laughs> doubt. And you mentioned 
Cronkite News. You're mm-hmm. you're going in what two days a week? Is that what you told me? Yes, I do Mondays and Wednesdays. And you're reporting. Uh, yes, I'm up on the politics beat. So I'm a broadcast reporter for the politics beat. I thought that would be fun since I am fortunately doing Cronkite News during an election. And we're two <laughs> weeks in. And how's yes. how's it going so far? It's good. Um, next week, I get to start being there full time and we have anchor auditions. So I've been practicing my anchor auditions, trying to get that anchor spot. But we will see. So hold on. You're a reporter <laughs> uh-huh. for Cronkite News, but then there's auditions for the anchors. They don't just pick everybody and assign a spot. No. So they encourage everyone to audition for anchoring, but only a certain amount of people anchor. They do for people who really want to do it. So at the beginning of the semester, there's probably... So in the past, it's been four anchors. So two for each, like everyone kind of scores corresponds. Like if you go on Mondays, you go on Wednesdays. And if you go on Tuesdays, you go on Tuesdays. And then some people do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And some people do Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm -hmm. So they've chose four anchors. And then those four people alternate the days and they anchor. And then towards the end of the semester, people who wanted to do it and maybe got more practice, then they start to anchor. Um, but so now I think they're choosing five because on Fridays, our broadcast will be totally virtual. Like no one will be in the newsroom. Oh my goodness. So they'll also have, so it might be six. They might have two virtual anchors, mm-hmm. but I'm auditioning for the in-person anchor. So yeah, it's just more extra work basically. So you still have to produce all your stories and you're still a reporter, but then you also have to anchor. So it's kind of like just some extra work, but it's experience that you can't really get anywhere else to prepare you for the job field. And how are you? I promise we're going to get to your questions. Oh, no, you're fine. But how are you? How are you feeling about all that? Do you need me to kneecap anybody for you? Or like, do, do you need me to expose them to COVID so they can't make their you know anchor audition? I was going to say, if you know anyone with COVID or strep, <laughs> that's <laughs> no, horrible. We're, we're, we're kidding, but, but, but maybe jokes. not too much. Um, I mean, I am excited for it, but it's also intimidating because it's so many people in Cronkite and, you know, when you're in these small classes, you may think like, oh, well, I'm really good at this, but kind of when you get to Cronkite news, it all comes to a head and it's all the people who are basically at the same point in Cronkite as you and all those other people who were really good in classes that maybe you didn't get to be in class with like now they're your competition for this so is it all juniors and seniors or just seniors or um it depends so there are some juniors it really just depends on how quickly you can get your prerequisites for it done but it's a lot of kids who basically have little time left in school know that they're graduating and are fighting i'm sure for demo tapes and opportunities to get in front of the camera and want to impress and I'm sure I've told you before, like it's one of my favorite and least favorite things about ASU all rolled up into one is <laughs> I feel like the school does a great job and gives all of you a ton of opportunities. But then I also feel like there is, at least this is my experience and what I've seen the last few years, a small group of kids who really get spotlighted. Mm-hmm. And not that I feel like, hey, you know, everybody deserves a participation trophy. It's not something like that. But I, you know, it's one of the toughest things for me when when work went from unpaid to paid internships, we had to essentially go from like 15 kids a year down to like two or three because we were going to pay you guys. And 
I love to see, you know, talented kids, and there's more than just five or six at Cronkite who are super talented. I'd like to see several kids get a shot, and I feel like a lot of the kids who have a ton of ability at times don't necessarily get that spot and aren't picked right out of the gate, and then either they may feel like— um, Gosh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Discouraged? Yeah. You know, they may feel a little discouraged. They may get depressed. And, you know, when it comes down to getting jobs, you never know what your break is going to be. And, you know, there's a ton of ways to get to where you want to go. But, um, you know, I just I would love it if more than, you know, 10 or 20 kids out of a few thousand really were, you know, given opportunities. And I feel like they're there for everybody. But they don't always realize that, and I, I wish ASU could do more, and that's one of the reasons I try to do more and, and spotlight you know, the interns that are here. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think it's an unspoken thing when you get to into Cronkite, you know, m- making your way up to you know, eventually get to Cronkite News. I think it's always an unspoken thing that if you're really, really good and the professors know who you are, you will have no issue when you graduate getting a job because all the professors, you know, they always talk about, Oh, we always have people, you know, reaching out, contacting us, reaching out, wanting to know, you know, who's good, who should we hire? And so there, it's always kind of been a common, like known thing that if you're good and you're one of those select kids who the teachers know about and you're really good and they kind of spotlight you that you're going to have no issue getting a job when you graduate. So I think it definitely, has become very competitive as well. Um, but Let me I'm, tell you, I am an advocate for the tornado and the money pit. So <laughs> I know what good work that you do, and and I don't have to, you know, fib or you know embellish or anything like that. I think you do a great job, and I've put a word in for you with some people, and and I wish that you know times were different right now, and I could promise you, hey, you know, you're going to have a job waiting for you. I can't do that, but know that. I believe in your work and I know you're going places. Well, I appreciate it a lot. Like, I really do appreciate it. You know, anything to help me out is worth it. You know, like I love it all. Um, So I appreciate that all. And I hope that everything I do at Cronkite is worth it. (laughs) It it is all worth it. And it's funny. I, I went back and I listened to the episode that you and I did last night. I hadn't listened to it yet. And so I I have all this stuff fresh in my head. So whether it's, you know, you going to law school and becoming a lawyer or you becoming an anchor or a reporter, whatever it is, and I don't know what your career path is going to be, but I do know that you will be successful. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. It really does. Well, that's that's all I've got. (laughs) Well, we can focus on you now. Oh, yay. Can't wait. <laughs> one of my uh, one of my favorite things. I'm uh, I'm not great about turning inward and talking about myself, but uh, but let's go. Let, let's see what we got. And I'll, I'm an open book. Hit me. It's always best to do the things that make you the most uncomfortable. Get you out of your comfort zone. Now, see, that's not true. Because, like, <laughs> if if I right now did the things that made me feel most comfortable, I would, like, lick every surface in this room and risk getting the Rona. See, that's just a terrible idea. Okay, well, I think within reason, I mm. do not recommend go lick all the surfaces in the newsroom. But okay. within reason, it can be good for you. And, you know, they could be sanitized because we've got just sanitizer 
everywhere. So it could yeah. just be a clean and healthy and awkward experience. But who it could. Knows? Someone could just walk in on you just like licking all the countertops and just be like, oh, my gosh, what happened to Joe? <laughs> all right. I'm going to be well behaved now. Let's let's. <laughs> OK, let's go. Um, I my first question, an easy one. What got you into journalism? You've always talked about how you, you know, did Cronkite at ASU when they were on the Tempe campus. So kind of, you yeah. know. Is there a backstory of how you got into journalism, why you decided to do the Cronkite School? I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I always would would watch and listen to sports. I loved sports radio, and I preferred radio to TV because I felt like, like there aren't really shows on the TV that would get into opinions and topics and things like that. It would mostly be you know, sports games that would be broken down. And I liked play-by-play, but I liked to share my opinion. And there's so many sports radio shows. So growing up as a little kid, I would fall asleep. I wasn't that little. I was probably 11, 12, maybe 13 or 14. And I would listen to Arnie Spanier, who was this, like, loudmouth, brash, back east New York guy and just his show had all these drops that he would play and he'd talk sports and I would be up way too late to like two or three in the morning sometimes listening to that show and and I just I loved it and I started you know exposing myself to more and more on the radio whether it was listening to games or you know watching games on the TV which I would do all the time anyways Um, So it was always sports, 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 sports. And I must have been about 16 or so. And Ann Arbor is a city of maybe 50 or 60,000 people when the students aren't there. But they have a sports radio station called WTKA. It's AM 1050. And I would listen to that religiously. And there was this guy named Doug Karsh who was doing his show on remote at this bar and grill, like two miles from my house one day. And I took, you know, I I told my parents like, hey, you know, can we go down and eat there? And they were like, yeah, sure. So I go down and I muster up the courage to talk to Doug Karsh, who was on the air during a break. And I was like, hey, I want to intern. Like, what do I have to do to do that? And this sounds way more confident now than I'm sure I was then. It was probably like, "Uh, can I intern for you, please? Maybe. Uh, how do I how do I do more? Um, that's probably more what it was like. But um, he was like, yeah, you just have to be 18. And uh, I was 16. So uh, it didn't actually happen for a couple years, but stayed in touch with him and ended up getting an internship the summer before I went to ASU. There really wasn't even anything formal between ASU and, and this station. I just did it all on my own, but I had the you know, signed paperwork that, you know, I was 18 and that I wasn't 15, child labor laws, who knew? Um, So I would screen phone calls for them and sit there and watch them produce the shows and host the shows. And I ultimately, uh, long story, as short as I can make it here now, ended up meeting this guy named Dennis Vithian, who was hosting a show there, who I would say Dennis is one of my radio mentors to this day. And uh, Dennis went on to have a very successful career in Detroit after Ann Arbor, does a podcast now, and him and I still keep in touch. So, uh, yeah, sports radio kind of got me into uh, the path that I've went down the last 20 years. 
And to add on to that, do you always want to stay in radio or have you ever thought about venturing off into the different areas of journalism you can go into or do you always want to do radio? What different areas? Uh, You know, TV or just writing. Uh, I think I'm actually too good looking for TV. I don't think uh, I don't think the uh, women would be able to control themselves if they I was can't on their, it. if I was on their TV each night. I think uh, they would be overwhelmed. So I don't want to do that to them. And uh, writing, it's funny. I love to like just storytell, and I love to like creatively write. But when it comes to like aggregating or taking a press release and turning it into a story or writing about an event that was breaking news. I spent a year in our web department, and who knows, we might get into this at some point, but I learned that that kind of you know journalism and just writing hard news stories is, is not something that I'm naturally good at and I, I didn't love. I, I liked learning about it, and uh, what was your little line? You should always do the things that you're not, you know. That make you uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will remember that and use that against you. Um, but I would say that my my year spent in our digital department was uh, certainly an uncomfortable but great learning experience. But uh, writing is not the thing for me. Um, I don't, I wouldn't sit here and say it's always going to be radio. I have other interests. I've wanted to be a counselor or a psychologist for as long as I've, uh, you know, been an adult, probably 18 or so. I took an interest in just hearing what other people have to say and learning about them. And I like to just give back. So any way that I could do that, I would love to teach a class at ASU or to you know, work with students as a advisor or a director in some capacity in one of the programs. Uh, this will sound ridiculous, but I would love to play poker for a living. Uh, I like cards a lot, and it uh, combines a couple of the things that I like most, uh, math and psychology. So uh, not necessarily always radio, but for now that's the path I'm on, but I have a lot of interests. You could join one of those TV poker shows. I remember I used to work at a sports bar in Scottsdale and on the day shift, they always had the poker mm-hmm. games, like the televised poker games oh, on. Yeah. You could do that. <laughs> if it was that simple, uh, I would I would say, sure, I'd love to. But uh, those, those shows are very it's tough. a lot of and, risk. <laughs> well, I mean, we were talking about you and Cronkite News, and it's one of those things where they've got, you know, two or three or you know, maybe four people who get to host and do that. And of course you have to have a tape and all of that stuff. And I sit here and think like all of my background is in radio. Like why are they going to want the the radio guy to come on and do, you know, TV with them? It would, I think it would be a very tough sell. I would be interested. I don't think they'd be interested in me. Hey, you could always bring a different perspective to it. But you did answer my third question. I was going to ask you, what would you do if you weren't, in journalism and doing radio, and that would be mm-hmm. psychology. Yeah, um, uh, there's other stuff too. I mean, if uh, if I didn't have to work for a living, like I, I have some friends who are like, "Oh my goodness, I'd be so bored if I didn't if I didn't have a job and didn't work." Like, I would love it. Like, I would read, and I would love to just be able to wake up in the morning, run, 
read, watch a little bit of TV and just relax. Like work is stressful and I put my all into it. Like imagine if you didn't have to work, like I would find things to do, but I think I would be just fine if I didn't have to work. Okay. Um, and so then moving on to another thing, if you didn't have to work, Mm -hmm. um, where would be your one place that you want to travel to most? Oh my goodness. Do you like to travel? So I do, but, uh, something you don't know about me. I don't have my passport. I know you mentioned, (laughs) wait, hold on. You mentioned when I talked to you that you would go to like, Bangkok and Thailand. Yeah, I did when I was a kid, but I haven't left the country since I was, I think, uh, in eighth grade. Okay. And my mom lost my passport. Oh, so. <laughs> well, I've never had one. So I've been to Mexico oh. and Canada mm-hmm. uh, be- before, I guess, you needed the documentation. Um, so I've been there. But um, yeah. I would love to travel, but I can't give you just one place. Like, I can give you a few places that I would really like to go. Well, let's hear them. Uh, I would love to go to the Netherlands. The name Heizenga uh, is Dutch, and I would love to kind of see my ancestry. And then I have German heritage as well. Uh, so I'm interested in that. Like, a lot of places in Europe, uh, but not necessarily like. Um, like, you know, the Eiffel Tower, things like that. Like, I would like to see that, but that's not, I don't need it to be like such a touristy spot. Um, Hungary, I'm interested in. One of the girls that, the only girl, I should say, who I had this huge crush on in college <laughs> was Hungarian. And I would just love to see Hungary. And I also think Kesha, who I think is super hot, has Hungarian <laughs> in her. So I just think Hungary is, I don't know, it produces beautiful women. So it must be a nice place to see. Um, In the U.S., I've never been to Alaska. I would love to go on an Alaskan cruise and check out Alaska. Like, I'd love to go to Africa and, like, go on a safari. Like, I would really go just about anywhere. Like, I, I don't have the desire and I am, like, I give it up to people who are like foreign correspondents who go into like areas of war or like, you know, incredibly impoverished areas like the Sudan um, and and see those regions. Like I admit that I mean, part of me would like to see it, but part of me would be concerned that I would die there and I don't need to put myself in that kind of jeopardy. But I do think it's a super important to tell those stories. Um, But I just, I love picturesque, you know, scenes. And I like seeing things that, you know, I can't wake up and see every day. It's one of the reasons that I like to go to Vegas four or five times a year, that I feel like there's something there for everyone. And, you know, yeah, the casinos are cool to look at. um, But beyond that, there's amazing shows, Um, Just walking the strip, you get to people watch and see bizarre things. Um, But like Alaska, like, you know, you can see, you know, all sorts of wildlife that, you know, you can't necessarily see here in Arizona. Um, So those would be some of the few. Um, Talking about picturesque, have you ever thought of going to the Swiss Alps? I have not, but I, I would be up for it. 
Um, I had friends go there when I was in high school. It was one of my friend's brother and his girlfriend went and the photos there were just so beautiful. It was insane to see. The the friends who you've got, I mean, I have to say, you've lived quite the the you know rock star lifestyle here. Like you would get to go to Tahoe all the time. Your friends in high school went to the Swiss Alps. Like, let me tell you, like our senior, like our senior trip in high school. Have you ever heard of Cedar Point? Oh my God, it sounds familiar. So like, it's I an, definitely have heard the name. It's an amusement park, <laughs> and it's in Ohio. So that was our senior trip in high school. Our eighth grade trip was actually better than our senior trip. We got to go to Chicago. But even that, it's like, oh, my goodness, the Swiss Alps. Like, Well, it was it was my friend's brother and he had graduated college. Mm-hmm. So him and his girlfriend went for graduating college. But I mean, still there. It's an amazing trip that they went on. No kidding. I mean, yeah. I, I would love Hawaii. Like, I think just anything that I haven't been exposed to, I think would be awesome. Like, I, I had a friend who went to Hawaii on his honeymoon, and he's like, oh, it's so nice. It's so beautiful. He's like, the one downside, he's like, the food is so expensive. He's like, they have to import so much stuff unless they grow it right on the island. He's like, so if you eat a meal, like, he's like, everything's pricey. He's like, even like a fast food place where you would normally eat for like six bucks. He's like, it's like 25. Yeah, I actually have never been to Hawaii. My boyfriend and I were actually supposed to go in May because his family has a uh, like his mom and all of her siblings share a vacation home in Hawaii. So we were going to go in May, but then Corona happened. And so. We weren't able to go, but my mom and all my step siblings mm-hmm. and stepdad, they all went for New Year's this year. I didn't go because I was back home with my dad, but they said it was like crazy expensive. They stayed at some resort and the food there was just like crazy expensive to the point where they just went to, I think, a Costco and <laughs> got a bunch of stuff and just like ate in the hotel room because they said the food was just insanely yeah. expensive. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard is it's, you know, like I said, instead of like a six or eight dollar, you know, cheap meal, it's like 20 or 30 bucks. So imagine if you went to a place where it's usually like a, you know, a 40 or 50 dollar meal for somebody. I'm guessing it's probably like 150 bucks a person, which if you do that a couple of times, adds up quick. No, be a, you'll run out of money real quick on that vacation. <laughs> well, I mean, you're a money pit, so you're you're you know you don't have to worry about those problems. But you know, us us commoners, yeah, we do. We have to watch the have to watch the numbers. I'll have to worry about it in a couple months when I get cut off. <laughs> I'm sure you'll figure something out. You'll you're I'll resourceful. Survive. Um, well, so you had mentioned how if you didn't have to work, you would love to just run and read on the weekends. And I've heard you talk about how you ran, I think, a marathon or a half marathon, right? I've done a bunch of halves and I did a full, yeah. Have you ever considered or would you ever do an Ironman? Yes, I want to badly, but uh, fun fact, I can't swim. No way. Yeah, so um, I, a couple years ago, like, gosh, looking back on it now, probably like, 10 or 15 years ago, uh, right after college, I taught myself to make it across the length of a pool, but I looked like a 
beached whale trying to do it. Um, but yeah, no, I guarantee you if I got in a pool now, I would not be able to swim because I haven't been in a pool in ages. And that's that's another thing about me is like, I wouldn't say like I'm self-conscious, but I just like, I'll see some dudes in the gym who just look like ripped. And I just feel like if I go to a pool, like everybody is like super jacked and I'm like, I'm not going to take off my shirt. And like, even now that I've lost a lot of weight, like, I just feel like that, that, I don't know, that feels kind of bro to me. So, uh, yes, uh, that is on my bucket list. I, I'm, I'm determined to be able to do an Ironman at some point. Um, I think more likely though, and what I can put sooner on the list would be an ultra marathon, which is technically anything over 26.2 miles marathon length. Um, I'd love to do like a 50 or 100 mile race. And I don't do them to win. I just do them to finish. And a week ago, I started training for another marathon. And I guess you could say I've been training for six months or a year for it. Because every year I would do the half. And I just, I finally decided, I, I know I've talked about it a little, that I just, I didn't feel good about myself. Like I'd go out and run and I just felt like I had to just really use a lot of willpower to not stop. And now that I've lost the weight that I have, like I feel so much better. And I, I, the other day I did like six or seven miles. And even though it was like 106 degrees, I felt so light on my feet, which is weird because years ago it could be like 80 degrees out and I would just feel like I was going to keel over after two or three miles and I'd really have to build up to it. And now I get out there and I can just go all day and uh, not going to lie, I still get tired. It's it's hot, but um, yeah, I I love running. It's nothing I did in high school. Like I played golf and baseball, but I just, I love a challenge and I like that it's just you and the road and some music and, you know, you're basically competing with and against yourself. I was going to say, I gave you so much props for running. I cannot do it. I think it is hateful. (laughs) (laughs) And I work out, but I just running, I can't do the treadmill when I go to the gym. Nothing. I... I feel like it takes a special person and do you get, someone who really wants to do it. Do you get bored or why do you say you can't do it? I think I get bored, mm-hmm. especially if I don't have like a route to go on. If I'm kind of just, you know, oh, I'm just going to run and I'm just going to see where all these roads take me. I think I just am like, oh, I'm over this and I get bored. And I don't know. I just... I get tired easily. I don't know. It's not even like I get tired. It's like my legs start to itch. That's my biggest thing is my legs itch. Okay. It happens to my mom too because my mom says she doesn't run either because of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Our legs will get like uncontrollably itchy. Hmm. And we don't know if it's, you know, like the cloth like rubbing on our legs from like our pants. Mm Mm-hmm. Or what it is, but there have been times I've gone running and my legs have gotten so incredibly itchy 
that I'll come home and I'll have like claw mark, like bruises on my legs. Bear in mind, I do have those fake nails. And so it probably doesn't help (laughs) when I'm itching at my legs, but I'll have like claw mark bruises on my legs. So I've just never been into it. I don't know. I would love to though. Like all of my friends go, they used to go running around campus and like my boyfriend runs every morning and I would love to do it. But I just, I don't know. I've never been able to do it. I think I'm going to run a couple miles tonight around ASU before. I mean, every day right now I'm doing seven and a half miles and some of it's walking, some of it's running, just kind of depends. I don't know how you're running in this heat. eh, All the weight that I've lost, but I would tell you like, I use this stuff called Body Glide that makes sure that you don't like chafe. But mm-hmm. I mean, you can put it like I put it on my chest. Uh, I can, you know, not to be graphic, but like between my legs, stuff like that. Um, you you might want to try that on the itchy leg thing and see if it worked because it essentially just like makes sure that your your clothes don't rub on you or that your skin doesn't rub, and it, it might make it so that you were comfortable running, but. No, it's funny. I remember in college, again, I was never this person who was just like in shape or anything like that. And then, you know, you go from a small private Catholic high school in Ann Arbor, Michigan to ASU where like you get all these California kids and like just a totally different world. And I remember like one day I was like, yeah, I'm going to go for a run. And I don't know how far I went. It was before like they had like tracker apps on iPhones and things like that, but I cannot have went more than a mile. And I just thought like, okay, this is not for me. And then it wasn't until years later that I decided, nope, I'm really going to do a marathon. And my time was nothing to brag about. Um, I have a goal in mind for this next one. I want to go an hour faster than the last one. Um, the one when I ran it in Vegas, the weather was awful and it was windy and it was raining the whole time. It was your dream weather. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when it's raining and windy. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just brutal in Vegas. And like, I don't just mean like a breeze. I mean like the signs for the marathon were blowing over. And I was one of the last finishers that night before they finally (laughs) shut it down. Um, (laughs) I definitely did a little bit of walking out on the course. Um, I want to do a marathon where I don't do any walking, and I'm going to try to do one end of January, but it'll just be me out there. Thanks, COVID. So <laughs> no uh, no other people. I'm just going to take my phone, and I'll probably just do some laps. I've got like a seven-and-a-half-mile kind of circuit that I can run, and I'll get out there, do that a few times, and then – improv the last few miles how long does it take you to train for a marathon or like what is it that you have to do you know how much do you run a night or do you have to you know change like your diet or anyway because I remember growing up I had um one of my friends what was my ex-boyfriend's brother and dad they did an Ironman and so I watched them like obviously an Ironman is a lot of stuff I remember I remember them, you know, having to change all of this, like, you know, try having to carve up so much and like Mm -hmm. eat so much food to maintain what they were burning. Is there any like particular things you have to do to train for this marathon? Um, so the first marathon that I ran, I was, when I started training, I was, 
I mean, I'm big. <laughs> like I was probably oh, no, 200. Two, uh, yeah, I am. I was probably about 250 pounds. And by the time I got done and actually did the marathon, I was probably down to about 230. So I lost, you know, 20 pounds over the course of about six months, um, which was good for me. But 230 is still way too big. Um, so just I wouldn't say there's anything in particular you have to do. I mean, if somebody's going to try to run a marathon and eat McDonald's every single day, I think they would have a real tough time. Um, but I've never really been a fast food person to begin with. Like, I'm not, not going to lie. It's not like I've never ate it. And I used to eat a lot of it as a kid. But now it's more like a once every three or four month, you know, kind of get my fix and then I'm good. Um and my diet where it's at right now has just really helped me run where I went from just eating too much bad stuff, like where I just I would just eat and eat and eat and eat. Um, not like I couldn't stop eating, but just too many carbs and not enough other stuff. Whereas now it's like a lot more fruits, vegetables. And I mean, you can eat a ton of that stuff and not put on weight and you know, I'll just eat a lot of that and water. And I mean, this morning, I can walk you through what I've had to eat today. I had an egg white omelet with some broccoli and turkey bacon. And then I, on the weekend, I allow myself to have a bowl of cereal. So I had some special K with some some raspberries and some, uh, some cashews. And that's what I've had to eat so far today. So no, I, I don't, to me... I'm a big believer in anything you want to eat, you can eat. It's so true about like moderation and just eating less of the stuff that you love. But I still have a cheat meal once a week right now. I put down an entire Lou Malnati's pizza the other night for my cheat <laughs> meal because I was hungry and craving it. So, you know, you can, you can cheat. You just have to, you know, get back on the wagon afterwards. I feel you with the pizza. I just ate some Costco pizza before we did this interview. All right. Pepperoni? <laughs> my favorite type. Plain? Uh, just cheese. Okay. I'm like iffy with pepperoni. For the majority of my life, I like didn't eat meat. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older, I've started eating it more. But if I don't have to eat pepperoni, like if I'm just getting it for myself, I'll just do cheese. But if I'm, you know, ordering pizza with someone else, then I'll get pepperoni just to make it easy for everyone. Do you eat the crust or no? Yes, I do eat the crust. Plain or with something? So I like to dip my pizza in Caesar dressing or honey. Wow. Okay. I've never <laughs> heard that. I I like to dip the crust in ranch. Okay. That's pretty basic. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, honey, that's kind of okay, out there. Joe. Hey, I, I, you know, what do you, you know, what can I say? I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm a no frills kind of guy. I, I'm sure I splurge in some ways, but uh, no, uh, honey, that's a, uh, that's a new one. Well, so they're back home in Reno. There's this pizza place called JJ's Pizza, and it's like really good pizza, and then they give you honey with it and they say, you know, dip the crust in honey. And so that's how I started doing is because we would always go to this pizza place and they would always give you honey to go with your pizza. And so I started it and it was just so good. I don't necessarily like to dip like the actual pizza in it, but it's super good with the crust. 
See, that's the good thing about ranch is it goes good with the pizza. <laughs> that's what's so. good about the Caesar dressing. <laughs> I hate that. ranch. Oh, well, no, ranch <laughs> ranch is good. Uh, blue cheese is kind of nasty. Oh, it's just moldy cheese. It's gross. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> no, but um, ranch is good. Well, what else? So do you like spicy foods or not spicy foods? Uh, compared to what my dad eats, I'll do spicy, but I've never been like super crazy. Like before I came in today, my roommate was making asparagus and he was asking me about like how to chop it up. And I told him, I was like, that's what Google's for, pal. Like just <laughs> chop the damn asparagus. Like, you know, I, I wasn't aware that there was a certain way you were supposed to chop it. And I don't really like asparagus. Like in general, I just eat pretty plain because if I'm making the food, I want it I want it quick. I don't want to sit in the kitchen for a half hour or an hour to prepare something that's going to take me 5 minutes to consume. So, yeah. like I'll occasionally throw a little bit of seasoning on stuff, but a lot of times like I can do like a whole thing of vegetables and not put any butter, no no, you know, um, no seasoning, no lemon, no nothing on it. I can just eat it totally plain, um, which I know I can see you rolling your eyes and saying how basic I am, and that's that's totally fine. Um, if somebody else is making it for me, I love all those things on it. But if I'm going to make it, I can eat like a caveman. <laughs> well, I was going to say the spicy thing because I feel like some people have, like, their favorite, like, hot sauces like mine is Cholula mm -hmm. I will put Cholula on anything to the point that it'll make me like sick I got an ulcer like a couple <laughs> years ago <laughs> now my ex she liked to uh she would turn to the hot sauce and that that's not really for me so I would say no like if we're talking salsa I can do medium and be comfortable if I was eating hot salsa, I would feel like it was work. And I don't want eating food to be work. So, <laughs> no. So, like, medium is good with me. And, like, if I go to, like, Chipotle, I never get the hot. And I actually rarely put any salsa on it there. I just, I like the corn. Like the corn. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a little bit of a different question and going in a different direction. So you work a lot with Gatos and Chad on the Chad and Gatos show. I was going to say, who's your favorite, Gatos or Chad? <laughs> I will, uh, I will uh, cheat, and I will say both of them, but for different uh -oh. reasons. If you're going to make me pick, I will say Gatos because <laughs> I've known him longer, uh, and. I, I started working with him here. So, you know, Gatos calls me his emotional support Lloyd, kind of a term <laughs> that I came up with, like an emotional support blanket. I have a joke with some people around the office that without me, Gatos would be totally lost. And it may not be such a joke that, you know, some days some of the things he asks me to do, I really think he might be lost without me. But uh, it's kind of endearing. Him and I are, you know, kind of like brothers to each other. So, so I would say... I would say if I have to pick, I'll pick Gatos, but there are some things about Chad that I really like too, that like he's just loud and brash about anything and everything. He golfs, so him and I can talk about golf. Um, he's really funny and really quick on his feet, and I always have loved improv. Like when I went to ASU, there was this 
I don't know if you'd call them a comedy troupe, but they did this show down in the in the MU called the Farce Side Comedy Hour, and I can't remember what the other day was called. They they were down there, and there was like the Farce Side, and then there was another thing. Uh, one was more like SNL, like sketches, and then the other one was just like random, like stuff where they would improv. And Chad is a comedian. He he did that for a while, for years. I think when he was over in Europe. And I love improv. Like I love to just be quick on my feet and see what I can come up with. I enjoy the show. Whose line is it anyway? When it's on. Um, mm-hmm. So I love both those guys for different reasons. I, I like Broomhead. I mean, he's just, he's rugged and he's good with a joke. And I knew him before Gatos or Chad. I, I worked with him back at KFYI and oh, wow. I've, I've known him for a long time. So they're all different. Um, I knew Jim Sharp at KFYI too from Arizona's morning news. So I've known Jim longer than Broomhead even. Um, so yeah, I, I like, the thing, you know, I, I love your question and that you're trying to put me on the spot and please continue to do that. But like, I'm, I'm going to sound cheesy when I say this, but I, I just love having conversations with people and I like finding out things about them. Like I could talk to anybody and have a great time. It's it's what I like about this podcast is it's it's just something that I enjoy. And it's weird to say, like, oh, what's your hobby? I'm talking to people. Like, <laughs> I I like talking to them, though, and interacting. And just a conversation is fun. Like, whether it's flirting or talking about dude stuff or whatever it is, it's just it's nice to learn about people and converse. That is way more, like, a way better answer than I thought I was going to get. I thought you were going to be like, that is a great question, but I respectful, respectfully decline to answer no, it. No, I told you, <laughs> any anything you ask, I'm going to answer today. So I hope you have some good ones. Keep it coming. Okay. Um, here's another one that just kind of, it made me make you think. If you could change the ending to any movie that you've seen, <laughs> which movie would it be and what would the change be? Oh my goodness, man. I I haven't watched movies in a while. Um, I watched, so the last few movies that I've watched, um, the most recent was Inside Out. Are oh you, yeah, is that the cartoon, right? It is. Okay, yeah. There's this girl who I talked to who brought it up. So uh, I have a little bit of a crush on her. So uh, <laughs> I don't think she'll listen to this, so I can put that I out was there. Gonna say. Um, <laughs> she she doesn't know that. Um, but yeah, she mentioned it, so I went and watched it. Um, but I'm not I'm not a guy who's like Disney movie. What? No way. Like I'll admit that there's some Disney movies that I like a lot. One of the first movies my ex and I saw was Zootopia, and I loved it. I've never seen it. And uh, we we also saw uh, Moana. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, so uh, Inside Out is the last movie that I saw. I watched The Natural uh, recently. That's my favorite movie of all time. Uh, it's a Robert Redford movie about baseball. Um, and then I also saw, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the title. Um, Adam Sandler movie. He was nominated Uncut for- Uncut Gems? Yes. Have you seen that? I 
So I started watching it. My boyfriend was watching it and I had to stop watching it. I kept saying, this is giving me so much anxiety. Like, is he going to get the watch back? Is he going to get his money? Like he is making me so anxious. I cannot watch this because so I have so much anxiety. <laughs> you didn't watch it to the end? No. Did your I was boyfriend? like, you can finish it, but I cannot. <laughs> did your boyfriend finish it? He did. He did. Do you know what happens? No, I didn't ask. But you can ruin the ending for me. Spoiler alert. Uh, he gets shot. He dies. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, it's it's very heavy. And that was very, like, hectic to me. It's almost like yeah. I knew something really bad was going to come, and I was just like, I can't finish watching it. No, I was watching it a couple months after COVID was a big thing, and, like, the ending is really depressing. And I'm just like, whoa, that was heavy. Um, so he, he kind of patches things up with his wife, but he's still really interested in that other woman. The mistress uh-huh. or the girl who he works with, right? Yes, they work the, together. The other woman, Taylor. <laughs> and um, as best I recall, it seems like they're going to kind of be a thing. And, you know, like the wife and him will split up. But yeah, he gets shot and uh, he dies. Who shot him? Um. It's one of the guys in the movie who mm. is PO'd at him, not Kevin okay. Garnett or anything like that. But it's one of those guys who shows up at the shop and yeah. is after him for stuff. For and money. Okay. Shows up with, you know, two other goons and one of the goons shoots him and kills him. Yeah, that movie just gave me so much anxiety because he was also gambling so much money away. Well, there's nothing wrong with a little gambling. Well, I've always been around gambling, you know, growing up in Reno. Like, I was always around the casino. Sports betting's allowed. So my dad, like, always was betting sports growing up. Yeah. And so I was used to it. But he was betting, you know, $30,000 on one game. Yeah. And I just could not comprehend it. I was like, this makes me so anxious. If I lost $30,000, mm-hmm. I would be devastated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the nice thing for me is, so I'll do some, you know, I'll wager some magical jelly beans on some things from time to time, but I can get as much of a rush out of betting $20 on something as like $1,000. Like, it's not about the money to me as much as it's about the win. So... I might bet more if I have a better feeling for it, but would I ever bet $1,000 on something? Incredibly doubtful. Uh, I'd hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But gosh, a movie where I would change the ending. Man, Mm. I I would need to think about that because I I don't- I was going to say, that one might put you on the spot. (laughs) I don't watch enough movies where- like. Every year I'll watch a few. Like, I'm trying to think about a movie where, like, the guy doesn't get the girl in the end. Like, I I had Can't Buy Me Love come to mind recently. Mm-hmm. You've probably never seen that. I haven't. Uh, it's a movie from, like, the, the 80s. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't end up with her in the very end. Um, but I, I kind of like it when the nerdy guy gets the hot girl. But uh, I would tell you, you should go and watch that. Um, even watch though it. it's an 80s movie and the fashion, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is awful. Um, the movie is is still interesting. So It could be a TV show, too, if there's ever been a TV show that's really the ending just pissed you off. <laughs> um, Sopranos. Uh, I did not like the way that series ended. 
My mom was really into that show when I was growing up. Yeah, I mean, I binge-watched the first, like, five seasons to catch up and watch the very end. And I remember I was watching the last season as it happened, and, like, I'd DVR it and then go and watch it, like, the next day or so. And I don't remember if it was spoiled for me or not, but I just remember that, like, yeah, it just they start playing Don't Stop Believing and things fade to black and you don't know if Tony Soprano gets capped or not in the end and it's just kind of left for you to decide. Uh, another one, Dexter. Um, My mom watched that too. <laughs> uh, the last season was just brutal. Um, Entourage. Um, I realize I'm naming a lot of like Showtime and HBO shows here, but like Entourage, the last season, like I watched it and it was just like, this is not good. Like, it, the writing just kind of fell apart. So, did you watch the Entourage movie? I did. Yeah, I never watched Entourage, but I watched the Entourage movie. So, I guess I didn't really have any idea what was going on if the movie was good or if it wasn't compared to the show. It was fine. I mean, it was worth seeing because that cast. I feel like they really bonded, and like that's the biggest thing that I look for in a movie. Is like. You'll get some people who are like, oh, the cinematography, it's amazing. And like for me, like I like to see a cast that great dialogue, good back and forth. That's what, you know, does it for me. And that cast from Entourage was always really good. So, uh, yeah, you know, that movie was fine, but the show kind of fell off. Okay. Well, I'll just do one last question to wrap it up. Oh my um, goodness! We're, the end of our fun is here. My the end is here. Wow. Um. So you've mentioned throughout this whole thing, and you've uh, working with interns and having interns come into the station and wanting to give you know kids at Cronkite you know the opportunities. And um, so what is your favorite part about working with interns? Um, seeing an intern go from the beginning of the internship and maybe they have an idea of what they want to do and then seeing what things are like, not just at the end of the internship, but maybe two, three, five, ten years later when they've started to find a career. Uh, there was this one who's actually in sales now here at KTAR and you know, she started and she was in, you know, Cronkite with all of you and into broadcasting. And now she's in our sales department. Um, so it's just seeing an intern go from, you know, college student who doesn't know what the heck they're going to do, who might have one idea and see it become, you know, maybe they get to see that idea through to fruition and they get to live out their lifelong dream and become the next Cronkite. <laughs> Uh, That's the dream. <laughs> yeah, or or maybe, you know, they, they go down a whole new path and realize, like, you know, I've had interns tell me, like, you know, radio is just not for me. And, like, I've worked with interns who, you know, I knew they didn't want to do radio, and that's totally fine because I would argue it's as important to know what you want to do as to know what you don't want to do. Um, so, yeah, just just the back and forth and seeing you guys grow. Like, because I feel like, like I grow in the process. Like, I feel like I've got a lot left to learn. I remember I was sitting in my former boss's office one time, 
and I remember him and I were having this conversation, and I told him one of my goals was for me to essentially teach him something because of all the things that he had taught me and all the gifts that he'd given me. And he basically, like, he was very nice, but he said, paraphrasing here, something to the effect of, like, good luck with that. Like, that's not really how life works where, you know, the people who you look up to um, don't tend to learn from you. And I was crushed by that at the time because I was like, well, that sucks. Like, I think I'm pretty smart and talented. Like, you know, I think I can teach you a lot. Um, But I understood what he meant. But no, I mean, just the way that several interns, you know, have, you know, entered my life. And I think they've made me a better person. And I hope I've I've helped them learn a lot, too. Um, You know, and I like keeping in touch with you guys. And, you know, I I selfishly wish that I had, you know, like somebody who, when I was in school, who was just like better at like helping me understand that like, you know, you don't have to follow this linear path and things aren't going to be perfect. And somebody who who was just there to answer questions. Um, and I, I don't feel like I, I really had that or I was lousy at seeking that out. Um, but that's, that's what I try to do for you guys. And there's zero obligation to like, Oh, got to check in with Joe. He's going to want to know how I'm doing. Like, I'll be just fine. Don't worry. I, I tell people all the time, like, no matter what I sleep through the end of the night, but I, I want to be there for people and I hope that they know that I am there. So, so that's, I don't know. That was a long answer rambling to a very short, concise question. Well, I can't speak on behalf of every intern, but I can oh speak my on goodness. behalf you're of You're going to say something cornball-y, and you're going to be like, <laughs> I, you're just the best, Joe. You've done a great job for me, and because of you, Gouda cheese tastes two times better. <laughs> I was just going to say I've learned a lot, and you, by hiring at me as an intern at KJR, showed me that I have more interest in radio than I thought I did, so I've definitely learned a lot from you, so, you know. Yeah, do everything right. <laughs> well, I I don't think I have done everything right. I don't think that means I've I've done things wrong. But you know, you and Mitchell and Eric were kind of the the first virtual experience, and you got some in person. And then you touched on this at the end of your podcast, where you know Pablo had hyped up how awesome the the you know the talk side of things was, and. You know, your experience with that, it happened, but it it didn't, you know, you didn't get the, the full picture. Maybe you did, but you just didn't get it in person. I don't know. It's it's tough to put into words. Um, but Yeah, but I mean, the virtual, virtual is basically our new reality. So it was like being able to be one of the first people to be able to kind of maneuver it and figure it out was probably really helpful for the future. Well, what I... What I told you was I did my best. And, you know, I know that Eric, Mitchell, and you did your best too. But, you know, if I had it to do over again, I would have tried to do some things differently. And I would have, like, picked one day each week to sit down with one of you and go over some stuff. And, you know, this semester there's only one intern. So it's easier to have one-on-one and back-and-forth time and 
I don't know if there's going to be an intern for the next semester. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do it or not. But um, I know that you and I are going to take part in a panel discussion for Cronkite in early September. Yes. And talk about virtual internships, which is exciting for me because it's another opportunity to give back and a little bit nerve wracking, but that's good because, um, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't fancy myself a great public speaker. I think I'm much better in like small groups and explaining things to people. And in general, I just feel like I'm kind of misunderstood when I have to explain things to a large audience so I try to gear them more to or like to like one person, and I just don't know if it always hits home. So I'm sure it will. It'll be, the panel will be fun. Have you been Sometimes. on panels before? I haven't, but throughout Cronkite, going on to like going to all the musty Mondays and seeing the panels, I have a decent idea of how it works. So I'm excited about it. So. I the must see Monday concept I don't think existed back in the dinosaur ages. I think that's a new thing or maybe just the last few years. But uh I'm I'm excited to see it and uh yeah, we'll go from there. That'll be fun. Well, thank you so much for answering all of my questions. I I don't I don't know. How did I do? Do I get like a you C, did good. Do I, do I get a C plus? Did I do okay? You get an A plus. No. <laughs> no. Okay, we'll settle for a B plus. Okay, I will take a B plus. All right. Okay. So you go eat some gouda and prosciutto and I will do my best. You go eat some non seasoned butter vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh Zoom University's treating you all right through two weeks? It's Doing good. I mean, I like taking like my regular classes at home just because I don't have to waste the money on parking down at school (laughs) (laughs) because it's super fun paying $8 a day to park for school. Um, And how how is the money pit to this point? Is uh, is dad, you know, chill with you at this point or is he? uh, Yeah, he's fine. I'm pretty good like on I've been pretty good about it. He just likes to mess with me anytime mm-hmm. I need something. He goes, "Oh, here comes the money pit." So, but he's been pretty lax on me. You got to be, you know. Do you have a job right now? I don't, just because with Cronkite News, I it basically is of, a job. Yeah, it is a job. So I was kind of going to give it like a month to feel out kind of how busy I was going to be with it. Yeah. And if I have free time, you know, mm-hmm. after you know, in October or something, then I'll probably go get a job but if i'm still super busy with cronkite news i have enough money saved to get me through at least the rest of the semester and then hopefully i'll find a job do you have a roommate or do you live on your own i know you were talking when you were moving in that you were in like a new apartment and had all new stuff yeah i actually so before this i had lived with the with my same roommate for like two years and then i actually just moved in with my boyfriend so we have a place together now because he just moved here from Vegas because he got furloughed um, because of COVID. What did so he do? He, just, he did data analytics for MGM. Fancy, fancy. And I, yeah. I did read the other day that MGM is, you know, moving on from a ton of people. And they, you know, what I read was if things get back to normal, they plan to bring everybody back. But gosh, what was the number? I can't remember if it, it was, was like 18,000. 18, yeah. 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 We were talking about that last night. Yeah. Because 
he was talking to some of the people from his team um, and only one of them got hired back. And the one guy who got hired back was telling my boyfriend, he was like, you're the only one out of everyone else on our team who's actually gone out and like gotten a job somewhere else. So he got a job here. So doing what? He is doing data analytics for the Medicaid Arizona's Medicaid program or Medicare program. Oh, data analytics. I guess it's a poppin' field. Your boyfriend's in <laughs> high demand. I guess so. <laughs> I imagine data analytics for MGM is probably a little more exciting than data analytics for Medicaid, but okay. He is really into the medical field. I guess that's what he focused on when he got his master's was like medical analytics. So mm -hmm. I guess it's kind of a stepping stone into it. So, All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you go do some fun boyfriend <laughs> stuff and okay. uh, I'm going to try to uh, uh, cure COVID. <laughs> you do that. Make sure you don't lick the desk, okay? That might be part of the process. <laughs> okay. Well, have a good rest of the day, Joe. You too, Taylor. Okay, bye. Bye.